0: Here at Mercy Village Church, we are on a mission with Jesus to experience and embody redemption and renewal in Christ alone. There are eight distinctive evidences we believe we will see if we are truly on that mission. We are a peculiar people, and these are the shaping characteristics of Mercy Village Church. Uh, my dad, right, it's Father's Day. He's The thing he would always say is, leave a place better than you found it something he always, you know, it's kind of his mantra, still is his mantra. Leave a place better than you found it. It was always like that. We'd go, like, camping or something, and that was how I understood it as a kid, right? Like, that's what he meant, was leave a place better than you found it, like, physically. So we'd, like, if we had a campsite, like, we'd always, the place would, right? Like, they should have hired my dad, right? To, like, spruce up the campsite, because it was better by the time we left than it was when we got there. What I realized over time was, that he was doing that more than just with physical spaces. He was doing that and he still is doing that in people's lives. He's leaving people better than he finds them. He's leaving places better than he finds them. And the primary way, or one of the primary ways he does that, is through selfless ministry to people. He is in ministry. My dad is a... A missionary with an organization called Child Evangelism Fellowship. And he is selfless in that ministry as well, but his ministry to the world is not contained to that ministry job. He is selfless in his ministry. He was selfless in his ministry to me. He's selfless in ministry to my sister, to his neighbors, to my mother. We're going to leave to go on vacation with them today. It's been a while since we've done that and I can't wait to spend time with that guy, to watch him love my children selflessly, engaging their needs before he engages their own. This is week three in our Peculiar People series. We're looking at eight formative characteristics of Mercy Village Church and today's is selfless ministry. You can see the list there. We started walking with Jesus through prayer and reading the Bible. These are things that we believe if we're on mission, the mission that you read over there on my left and the vision that you read over there to my right on the walls, if we're we're living out that mission and that vision as the people of God, Mercy Village Church, that these will be the evidences that we'll see. These will be things that mark us. Walking with Jesus in prayer and and in reading our Bibles. Last week we talked about risky faith. We visited Esther and she says, if I perish, I perish, but she loved uh, the mission of God and the people of God enough to, to take a risk, a highly risky step, in, and uh, following after God. And this week we come to selfless ministry. Selfless ministry. What we'll see today is that we're headed to a passage in John 13 where Jesus is going to wash his disciples' feet. Maybe many of you are familiar with with that. This is actually how we stated in our uh, kind of prospectus. We desire to be a people who practice selfless ministry as a lifestyle, right? It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's a lifestyle. When we feel like it and when we don't, when others are watching and when they're not, when it costs us nothing and when it costs us everything, this will influence the way we develop leaders and volunteers and how we measure their success. Selflessness, humility, and sacrifice will matter more than talents, charisma, or expertise. We wrote that in there on purpose. Right? We'll see that in Jesus' life. Did he have, did he have all those things? Character and talents and expertise? Yes. But what shined above all those things? His sacrifice and his humility and his selflessness. We will generously, joyfully, humbly, and sacrificially steward our gifts and resources for the good of one another. And for kingdom advance. That's the main takeaway today. Following the example and resting in the power of Jesus. Might we, Mercy Village Church, might we Christians. Generously, joyfully, humbly and sacrificially steward our gifts and resources for the good of one another. And kingdom advance. Father today what we know not please teach us. What we are not please make us. And what we have not please give us. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This passage is going to break down into three parts. The first is that we are going to see Jesus show us what selfless ministry looks like. Jesus is going to show that to us in verses 1 through 5 of John chapter 13. If you've been to this passage before or, or even just, you know, watched any like the Passion of the Christ or anything like that, that depiction of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. But how does this tie into the idea of selfless ministry? Well, let me define the word ministry first. Because, right, like we could say, you, some people would say that I'm in the ministry, right? And, and that's an accurate terminology. I'm not throwing shade on that term, right? Like, but that's not what we're talking about today, a position or a title or a job, a ministry job. We're talking about the everyday ministry of God's people to one another, to the world around us. That is ministry. Being the hands and feet of Jesus. This is ministry. Being the hands and feet of Jesus to anyone and everyone that God has placed before you or beside you in this life. That's what Ministry is, and what Jesus will show us is that, that when we are going to be the hands and feet of Jesus to anyone and everyone that He has placed before us or beside us, if we're gonna live lives that way, it's gonna require selflessness. He shows that to us. But it also means that ministry goes beyond just Sunday morning. I cannot, I've said that, and I'm gonna say it again, and I'll probably say it again before it's all over. This wouldn't be for you if it was, was, uh, you know, or wouldn't be for all of us if it was just for leaders of the church. This is for all of us. It matters just as much what you do on Sunday morning in ministry as you do in Monday on Monday morning in ministry. It matters the same. Fathers, your career is important. That's an opportunity for ministry. So is what I call second shift, right? When you come home for second shift at home, the way you Invest in your children and in your spouse, and that's all ministry, every bit of it. And here's some things that Jesus teaches us about selfless ministry. The first is this, selfless ministry has no quota. Watch what I mean, verse 1, the first half of verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that always means one thing. He knew it was time for him to die. All through the Gospels, when he talks about his hour coming, it means it's time for him to die. The the ultimate and selfless ministry, he's about to do that, to depart out of this world to the Father. So he is about to die for the sins of the world, Okay? There's no quota to selfless ministry. He doesn't say, "Well, seeing as right, I'm about to bleed and die, and my beard's going to get ripped out, and we'll put crown of thorns on my head, and my father's going to turn his back on me." And and by the way, I'm going to carry all my all your all sins, you knucklehead disciples, and carry all your sins with me up that up that hill. Seeing as I'm about to selflessly minister to all of you in that way. Somebody else can do the feet washing. I don't need to do it. Somebody else can do it. I've done my time, right? No selfless ministry does not say I've done my time. Selfless selfless ministry does not say, "Well, that's not my calling. I'm not called to kids ministry. I'm called to something better than that, right? I sing or whatever, you know, like, or I preach. I don't do. I'm not going to clean toilets." you kidding me? Do you know who I am? Pastor Paul Bokel, right? I don't clean toilets. That's not selfless ministry. Selfless ministry lays life down. I've heard this. I love this story, and I may have shared it before. If so, I apologize. There was this conference, I think back in the 80s, a pretty big conference, religious or Christian conference, It was like in one of those, you know, conference facility deals. And they brought in people to staff it. And in this time, I guess, they actually stayed in the conference facility, like in makeshift, like they put like sleeping bags out on the floor and the volunteers who were going to need to be there early in the morning the next day. So they're all like bunked out. And there's a guy who's kind of doing night shift of the oversight of this conference. And this older gentleman shows up, and he's just got one little bag, and he welcomes him. He shows him where he can get a few snacks, and then he takes him into the room where everybody else is just sleeping on the floor, and he helps him get a, you know, a place to sleep. Puts him to bed. Well, the next morning, the guy's in trouble, because what he's done is he's taken, and I don't know if you're familiar with the name, but he's taken Francis Schaeffer, the world-renowned was at at the time in particular a world-renowned influencer in Christianity, author, man who had given his life. He was the headline speaker for the conference. He never once complained. He never once said, do you know who I am? I'm Francis Schaefer, you idiot. They had a room set aside for him with a bed and everything. Selfless ministry. Has no quota. He just laid down on the floor. We'd be the people willing to just sack out on the floor if need be for the sake of the kingdom. Selfless ministry has no retirement. He says next in that same verse, he's about to depart out of this world to the Father. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Right? Like Jesus, as he comes up to the end of his life, He's not trying to, to go out and see the world. He's not trying to pick up new hobbies, right? Kind of live out the golden years of his life, okay? He's going to go to the end. I, I quoted from this book last week. This book has shaped a a, a lot of who I am by God's good grace in, in ministry. John Piper uh, in Don't Waste Your Life, He sh- he shares two stories back to back and I just remember the first time, it gripped me. I actually heard him tell these in a sermon the very first time. He says, in April of 2000, Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards were killed in Cameroon, West Africa. Ruby was over 80, single all her life. She poured it out for one great thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the unreached, the poor, and the sick. Laura was a widow, a medical doctor, pushing 80 years old and serving at Ruby's side in Cameroon. The brakes failed, the car went over a cliff, and they were both killed instantly. I asked my congregation, was that a tragedy? Two lives driven by one great passion, namely to be spent in unheralded service to the uh, perishing poor for the glory of Jesus Christ, even two decades after most of their American counterparts had retired and it's not a tragedy. That is a glory. Their lives were not wasted, and, and these lives were not lost. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it, Mark eight thirty five. He says, but I will tell you what a tragedy is. He says, I'll show you how to, how to waste your life. He's dramatic. <laughs> Hear him out, though. Consider this story from the February 1998 edition of Reader's Digest. Ever heard of that, <laughs> that publication? tells about a couple that took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. At first, when I read it, I thought it might be a joke, a spoof on the American dream, but it wasn't. Tragically, this was the dream. Come to the end of your life, you're one and only precious God-given life, and let the last great work of your life, before you give an account to your Creator, be this, playing softball and collecting shells. Picture them before Christ at the great judgment day. Lord, Lord, see my shells? That's a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. Over against that, I put my protest, don't buy it. Don't waste your life. Now hear me. Some of y'all will retire to retirement communities. That's not my point. Please hear me. My point is you never retire from selfless ministry. That's the point. If a retirement community will take away your ability... to selflessly minister to others, then yeah, you should think about it. But you can be in a retirement community, right? Like that's, that's not about the where it's not about the when it's not about the what of your circumstances and situations. It's how you function within them. And he puts those two stories up against each other because we are so tempted to think that the first one's the tragedy and the second one's not, which shows that we're not thinking about this world rightly. There's no retirement from selfless ministry. You may retire from your job. You may retire to another place, but you do not retire from loving your neighbor. You do not retire from bleeding out for the sake of the people in your lives close to you. There is no end to selfless ministry. It goes to the end. Selfless ministry has no bias. Verse two, by by the way, Peter is in the room for this foot washing He's going to deny Jesus three times. Thomas is in the room. He's going to get his feet washed. Uh, He's going to be filled with doubt. Matthew was a tax collector, right? A thief in many ways. He's in the room. Jesus is going to wash his feet. And and guess who else is there? Verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. He's there. We'll find out later more explicitly that he's there. Jesus is going to wash his feet. Judas, the betrayer. I don't know if you saw these pictures go around Facebook the other day. We just maybe can scroll through them like a few times. Just a bunch of different people from a bunch of different places. People that you would maybe react to in a certain way, especially as it gets a little bit more political at the end, right? Selfless ministry has no bias. It doesn't mean that, right, like to serve somebody selflessly doesn't mean you agree with their politics. It doesn't mean that you think their life is, is morally going in the right direction. It means that you see that when Jesus washes Judas's feet and Peter's feet and Matthew's feet and Thomas' feet that he sets an example for us that selfless ministry has no bias. We lay our lives down to minister to others regardless of what we agree or disagree on. Regardless of what their past resume might be. Selfless ministry is being the hands and feet of Jesus to anyone and everyone not just the people that you like the most, to anyone and everyone that God has placed before you and beside you. And then lastly, as he shows us what selfless ministry looks like, he shows us that it transcends all hierarchy. Verses 3 through 5, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, right? Right? He has all the power and authority of God. Jesus isn't some lackey. He's the king of the whole thing, everything. He is from God. He's going back to God. He has all things in his hand. He's royalty at the highest level. When he gets back to heaven, he will sit on the throne of heaven. Top dog. Doesn't get him off the hook. He rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' stinky, smelly feet. They walked through crap, literally, because of all the livestock on the roads. Bible customs and manners, it's a given. At least in part, some of them had crap on their feet. The king of kings doesn't race for the crown. He races for the towel. The disciples were racing for the crown, by the way. They're having these little spats all the way leading up to this. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Peter's like, it's going to be me. John's like, nah, it's definitely me. Have you seen my resume? I'm going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus says, no, we're not racing for the crown. We're racing for the towel. We have a leadership core value that we... Uh, give to our leaders. This is something we want to be marked by as leaders. We are humble servants. Sacrifice grows with seniority. It doesn't diminish. Sacrifice grows with seniority. If your level of authority expands at Mercy Village Church, so does your call to humility, sacrifice, and servanthood. The message of this verse is not, Jesus served even though he's the king of kings. The message of this verse is, Jesus served because... He's the king of kings. In the kingdom of God, it's backwards from the way it is in the world. In the kingdom of God, the higher your authority is, the more of yourself you lay down. That's the way the kingdom works. You don't get a special parking place, right? You lay your life down. That's what it means. There's no hierarchy. In fact, it would be the exact opposite. The higher up you get and whatever sort of authority structure there is, the more you're called to serve, to lay your life down. So Jesus shows us what selfless ministry looks like. If we're willing to be honest, we look at that and respond like, well, that ain't me. I can't do that. I ain't got that in me. And you're right. I don't either. We don't have that in us. And that's the good news of what happens with Peter next. And this goes fast. Watch his exchange with Peter, right? Jesus is reminding us that selfless ministry is a single sourced product. And Jesus is the source. We can't generate that in ourselves. It has to come from Christ. So he comes to Peter to wash his feet. And he's and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? He's like, I know you're all wise. I know you're the very son of God. And And I know that you have infinite wisdom from before time began, but are you sure about this one? Right? Like, like I know that you're God, but are you sure? Jesus answered him, what I am doing... How gentle and lowly is this response, by the way, from Jesus? He says, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. He says, just be patient, Peter. I can see why you're hesitant to let me wash your feet. You know, you did just talk back to God. I mean, we'll we'll kind of let that slide. I get it. I get it. But just be patient. You're going to see. You'll see it play out. Peter can't be patient. He can't. I, I relate to Peter. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. <laughs> never. Not going to happen. That's so Peter, by the way. In the presence of Jesus, too proud to let Jesus minister to him. In the presence of Jesus, too proud to let Jesus minister to him. Hear me today. Selfless ministry will feel like a burden. Only when we fail to see it as a reciprocal. Partnership with Jesus. Selfless ministry is a reciprocal partnership with Jesus that is initiated by his selfless service to us. And it's rooted in the single source reality of his selfless ministry and his inexhaustible love for us. Right? That changes the whole tenor of the whole thing. Now selfless ministry becomes an opportunity to walk with Jesus because that's where he's going to be. You want to walk with Jesus, right? There's got to be selfless ministry. Jesus comes back to Peter and he says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Let the hearer understand today. If you can't receive Jesus as gentle and lowly and humble and selfless, then you're not receiving the real Jesus. If you need Jesus to be all about power... You need Jesus to be all about authority. You need Jesus to be all about being right all the time. And he is those things, by the way. He is the king of it all. He's right about everything. Never wrong. He's the king of it all. But none of that takes away from his selflessness, his lowliness, his humility. It's only in receiving Jesus holistically as the servant and the king that you yourself can be a servant without thinking that that debases you to a low level. You can only do selfless ministry from an elevated place if you receive Jesus as a selfless minister from the most elevated place. Jesus says, if you can't receive me as a humble servant leader then you got the wrong Jesus. You're not receiving the real Jesus. Peter, of course, knucklehead, just like me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Give me a bath then. Let's take a... I want to take a shower. We laugh at Peter, but we're all knuckleheads. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but uh, but is completely clean. And you are clean... But not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That's how we know he explicitly knew what Judas was doing, and Judas was there. And that was why he said, not all of you are clean. Here, Forgive me for not camping out. Well, some of you are excited I'm not going to camp out here. There's some doctrinal stuff maybe under that, that kind of surfaces. Where... I just want to make two real quick observations. The rest of them are clean. Judas is not Jesus looks at Peter and the other disciples. He knows they're hard, and he he sees them as faithful followers. He knows Judas isn't, but yet he washes everybody's feet. It goes back to the fact that there's no bias in selfless ministry. So here's Jesus, the single source of any and all selfless ministry, which brings us to the the mandate. We rest in this as we receive what Jesus says next. We'll just read it all at once. When he had washed their feet, put on his outer garments, and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? Do you get it? Do you see? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. Again, I come from an elevated place. You're right to say that. I am God with skin on. You're right to say that. I am wise teacher. You're right To say that, I do come from an elevated place. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus says selfless ministry is not optional for the child of God. It's the way of life that we're all called to. It's a way of walking with Jesus. Selfless ministry is not optional. It's required. And it's required that that selfless ministry look like Jesus. No quotas, no retirement, no biases, and transcending all hierarchy. That's heavy. So don't forget the good news. The good news is that the Savior who shows us selfless ministry is the single source of that selfless ministry. If you forget that, then selfless ministry will be a chore, not an opportunity to walk like Jesus. We look to Jesus for both the example of selfless ministry and the empowerment of selfless ministry. And there is nothing sweeter in this world. This is where John Piper is coming from in that book. As dramatic as he might sound when he writes that way, where he's coming from in this book, is trying to get everyone who listens to him, just like I am today, to believe this. There is nothing sweeter in this world than to walk with Jesus. Nothing sweeter in this world than to walk with Jesus, even if that requires risky faith of selfless ministry. In fact, it is in those times of risky faith and selfless ministry that you'll feel oftentimes the closest to Jesus, and the sweetness of that is beyond anything that you'll find anywhere else on this planet. Of course, washing feet wasn't the end for Jesus. He, like, is that same weekend, he's going to die on the cross. He's going to make it possible through selfless ministry right, for our sins to be washed away. Jesus' blood cleanses us from all of our sin, separated from God. We're all Judas, we're all Peter, we're all Matthew, we're all Thomas. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, we're made righteous like Jesus through faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the only way to be brought into relationship with God, is through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, believing that it's enough to make you right with God. Jesus Christ raises from the dead, and if you're not a Christian and you trust Him today, you will be saved. But saints, how do we respond? Selfless ministry is being the hands and feet of Jesus to anyone and everyone that God has placed before you or beside you. We talk about selfless ministry, we talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus, three categories, time, talent, treasures time, talent, treasures. Does your calendar app, or if you got a, I still have a, I have a paper planner still. I still write them down with a pencil. Does your calendar tell a story of selfless love? Your talents, right? Do you leverage your skills, your gifts, your talents for the cause of selfless love and your treasures? If we follow the money, the assets, the resources do they lead us to selfless love? I'm asking myself. The Holy Spirit will help you ask yourself. I'm not harping, not pounding. We together, including me, come and ask ourselves those questions. Does my time, my talent and my treasures, the way I leverage those things Tell a story of selfless love. I'll say it again. There's nothing sweeter in the world than to walk with Jesus in the risky faith of selfless ministry. Give your time, your talent, and your treasures away to that. You will not regret it. Following the example and resting in the power of Jesus, might we generously, joyfully, humbly, and sacrificially steward our gifts and resources for the good of one another and kingdom kingdom advance. If you walk that way, you will not walk alone because you will be walking with Jesus. That is the only way he walks. It's on the road of selfless ministry. And I promise you there's not a sweeter place on this planet to walk than next to Jesus. So I'm not asking you to deprive yourself of anything. I'm asking you to go out there and get the thing that will make you the most satisfied, the most happy, the most full. Walk with Jesus. And the way you walk with him is selfless ministry. And not just here at Mercy Village Church, at your home, with your kids, with your wife, with your neighbors, at your workplace. It's a holistic thing. Father, thank you so much for loving us, even though we don't always get this right, or I don't always get this right, and you love me, and your love never fails. And I'm so thankful for that. That means I can stand here today, not beat down by the call to selfless ministry, but pick lifted up by it. I can hear your voice continuing to say, come walk with me, even though you're knucklehead sometimes, Paul, keep walking with me. I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. Why we respond to that call today. Might our lives become more and more marked by selfless ministry, not out of guilt and shame but out of a desire to be with you, walking with Jesus. It's in His name. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts. We exist to experience and embody redemption and renewal in Christ alone, and we'd love for you to experience what God is doing as Jesus builds Mercy Village Church. Connect with us online at www.mercyvillage.church.